Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. Tuesday, February 23rd. Uh, this is John Aravosis with Cliff Schechter. Cliff. Why, hello, John. Why, hello. Um, our guest today is Eric Bullard, a longtime friend of ours. Eric is the founder and editor of PressRun.media. He is also former Media Matters guy, former Daily Coast guy, former Salon guy. Uh, lots of former. He's been lots of guys. He's been lots of guys, um, but we've known Eric, God, probably 15, 20 years now. Ha ha. Well, not 20, but at least 15, I'll bet you. Um, and we're going to talk about two, possibly three new articles that um, Eric has written on his Substack newsletter, PressRun.media. The first is Rush Limbaugh dying and what a blight he was. Uh, The second is CNN pulling the plug on Biden's White House briefings, when, of course, they were happy to cover Trump's White House briefings every day, or every day he had them at least. Um, And then if we've got time, we'll get into the whole issue of the Washington Post editor finally admitting that Trump was a liar (laughs) and they should have called him such. But let's see what the, uh, let's see about that. So Eric, welcome. I can't believe we never had you on. Say it again? I can't believe we never had you on. I know, I know. What the heck? Ah. We're so bad. Baron. We're very, we're, we're very smart. selective. You know. In our, exactly. <laughs> There's lots of voices out there. I agree. I know. We're like, that guy? Ugh, who wants to have that guy? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's true that we were kind of going over guests in our head. And also we were like, oh, God, we've never had Eric. So we're like, we're trying to no. think of it. Well, you know, it reminds me of being in D.C., like friends who live in Northern Virginia. And they're not that far away, but because they're in Northern Virginia, you never think of them until you do. And then you feel incredibly guilty. Because there's no way to explain, well, I wasn't thinking, or Capitol Hill, same thing. Well, I wasn't thinking of you because you live on Capitol Hill, and that never sounds good, but it's kind of similar. You are out of sight, but out of mind, but not out of heart. Oh, good, Um, good. And now a word from our sponsors. Make home your favorite new restaurant this winter with Omaha Steaks delivered straight to your door. Have you ever wondered what makes Omaha Steaks so good? It's the aging process. You see, Cliff has. Omaha Steaks are aged at least 21 days. That's where the magic happens. Try these mouthwatering steaks in the Butcher's Best Sellers package. Go to omahasteaks.com and enter the promo code VOICES into the search bar at the top of the page to save over 50% and secure exclusive pricing. Included in the Butcher's Best Sellers package are four iconic fork tender butcher's cut filet mignons four ultra juicy burgers four savory pork chops four kielbasa sausages four rich and decadent caramel apple tartlets and so much more in addition to getting more than 50 percent off you also get four more chicken breasts and four more of those delicious burgers for free and all you have to do is visit omahasteaks.com and type voices in the search bar to order the butcher's best sellers package today save over 50 percent plus get four free chicken breasts and four burgers all from the company that's been bringing people together for over 100 years that's omahasteaks.com type voices in the search bar over 100 years i didn't know they were around that long oh, no. yeah. interesting and now back to our show so, should we start with a Rush Limbaugh blight on all humanity? I think we uh, should. I think so. Uh, I think that because that is getting drowned out this past week by Ted Cruz's uh, nice vacation. True. But I, I, I think that the the impact of Limbaugh over thirty years, and I'm sure Eric has written about it beyond this one piece a ton. So let's do it, Eric. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we can start with the. Um, we can talk about him, but and we can also talk about how his death was treated as a starting point. Um, 
So, you know, everyone knew he was on his deathbed. He has been quite open about his cancer and he basically tweeted out a deathbed right. tribute to Trump a week ago. Um, so because you know, isn't it, isn't it what, you know, any sane person would do? I'm a week from dying and I think I must pen an ode to Donald Trump. It literally was one of his last acts. Um, and uh, so the press knew this was coming. The press could write its own bits. You know, the press was going to treat this as a big deal. Uh, but, you know, almost as completely predictable. Uh, the coverage was very timid. The coverage was very gushing. The coverage was very um, laudatory because Rush Limbaugh was successful. So that's how the media has always treated right-wing demagogues and right-wing right. hate media. If they're successful, that means they deserve a lot of time and attention right. uh, and very little context in terms of what they're doing to pollute our public and to pollute our country. Um, so, you know, look, I understand, you know, if you're New York Times and you're writing an obit on a broadcaster, you don't dedicate half the story to a bunch of quotes from Democrats saying what an awful person he was. But you should probably include one or two <laughs> since <laughs> his entire career, his entire persona. His controversy. Uh, was, yeah. yeah, was was courting controversy, uh, hating well, people, dividing the country. Right, bringing our political world to where it is now. I mean, he's, yeah, he's as responsible as any single individual in doing that, right? You know, well, there, as, as I wrote, there's an absolutely straight line between the, you know, the birth of his career and, and the January 6th insurrection. Uh, you know. And but, you know, and again, just to stick on the coverage real quick, you know, he uh, some of the ad adjectives I found for, you know, uh, merry band of 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 of, uh, of uh, controversy or something like that. You know, they're like, they were, ha, ha, ha. yeah, right. just kind of like, you know, he's kind of a prankster kind of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, you know, a court jester. Rascalian. Uh, yeah, just kind of a funny guy, and, he, and he, boy, right. he really got under. He's like one of the guys from uh, from like the frat and Animal House is what they try yeah, to make right. him. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. an evil, vicious, you know, violence encouraging force in our in our politics, right? I mean, you can, I mean, you can, some people could say Gingrich too, and one or two others, but if you trace oh. back, I have to I, well, hold on. I'm, I have to yeah, say, okay. you know, because it's a quick story for context. Yeah. You know, I was I was studying history, but but media and politics, and I was in college um, in the early to mid '90s. I was at Penn, and you guys have probably read stuff by Kathleen Hall Jameson, right. um, who's yep. an expert in political communications, and I had her my senior year as my professor. And we were looking, you know, this would have been '94, and we were looking into the rise of this new force you know, Rush Limbaugh on the right and what he was doing. And right. so that's why I feel like even more than other things, I have this handle on Limbaugh because I'll never forget that was one of the assignments of our class because he was this new thing. And we were, had to, to listen to his radio show and read transcripts. And he was just tearing us apart in a way, you know, on his show daily that just wasn't other, other people were not doing that with that kind right. of a microphone back then. Now it would seem normal, but it wasn't then. Right. And I think that that's part of what he changed. Yeah, he yeah. absolutely invented this genre of, of kind of hate radio, of kind of shock jock hate radio. And he did bring in an, an element of entertainment, particularly in the early days compared to, you know, his show for the last 10 years was basically a three hour monologue. You know, he rarely had guests. He rarely had callers. He, you know, it was very kind of staid and boring and, and him listening to himself talk. 
in the early days, he did bring in elements of kind of top 40 radio and rock radio, and he had the music bumpers, and he had kind of skits and running gags. Hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of where the court gesture image came along. And and he certainly he certainly um, added that. But in it, but also in the early days, you could you could also argue his content was even more extreme and hateful than it is today. Um, you know, he you know he famously mocked AIDS patients when they died. Uh, you know, the feminazis that was back in right. the you know in the eighties yep. and the nineties is kind of hallmark uh, um, calling card. But but I go back to my point. You know, and and we've seen this with Fox News coverage for 20 years, uh, you know, and the New York Times, you know, printing a fawning profile for every conceivable Fox News host for the last 20 years. Because if you're successful, that's the only that's the only guideline. That's the only parameter. uh, And and the Beltway Press will celebrate you. You know, Limbaugh lied about the size of his audience for decades. He lied about how many radio stations he was on. Uh, when he died, people were still claiming he had an audience of 20 million. He probably had an audience of two, maybe three million by the time he died. Right. Um, but he also it, illegally bought and used drugs, uh, yeah. for which, for which, by the way, I think we should always treat people as opposed to throwing them in prison. But he always thought we should throw them in prison, largely African American men, and we've got uh, literally a jail system rife with people who did exactly what he did. But he gets right. to continue making millions and gets lauded for it yeah and any any and uh that was a big um you know his career took a hit then and really his career if we look at the facts rather than the myth it never really recovered from uh, sandra fluke um when she testified about um you know healthcare and contraception uh limbaugh this was i think 2013 or 2014 just went on like a five-day uh, screed and ran yeah. and called her a, a slut and a prostitute and made fun of her parents. And uh, so that's when the advertising exodus left yeah. the, the blue chip. Uh, he's, you know, I, I wrote about over the years how he was getting dumped by, you know, the flags, the flag station, AM, uh, uh, AM stations in markets like Indianapolis and Pittsburgh. And he was ending up, you know, at the end of the dial on stations with, without ratings. Um, so he never really recovered from that. But in his and his career was basically over in 2015, and then came along Donald Trump, uh, and and as I wrote, you know, Trump uh, Limbaugh in the past never really worshipped Republicans. He saw himself as being above politicians. He he kind of looked down on the Republican Party. Yes, he obviously ran interference for them, uh, and he and he loved attacking Democrats and liberals more than he loved defending Republicans. But he, he saw himself operating on a higher plane, honestly, than politics. And it wasn't really until Trump, uh, as we just talked about with a deathbed tribute, that he really found his, you know, his, his soulmate, someone, you know, as awful and contemptuous and thin-skinned and needy as he was. Uh, and, and Trump saw that in him and, of course, gave him the Medal of Honor uh, in, <laughs> God, in 2020. Um, so in, in, in a way... Uh, Trump revital, like so many of these C players, Trump brought off the sidelines. All these has-beens he brought in, like Bill Barr and Rush Limbaugh, and uh, he he clearly uh, rejuvenated uh, Limbaugh's career, gave him more prominence, gave him more influence. Didn't help his radio career financially, I don't think, or commercially. Right. Um, uh, but they they were, you know, they both loved to golf. They both love, you know, they both had like seven wives between them. They both 
were kind of these awful hate merchants. Um, so that, that, that was his final kind of spin around the track was being, you know, Donald Trump's caddy. Hey, let me ask you, do, cause you got me thinking a couple things very much in mentioning Trump, you know, the way you describe Limbaugh, first of all, the style reminds me of Trump in the way you were describing it as far as, you know, kind of incendiary, funny, comical, you know, right. was fun to watch, but also was really sort of coarse and debasing and people liked it. And what I'm kind of wondering is to what degree, and this is the same question for Trump, to what degree did they coarsen, you know, political speech and coarsen the entire environment around them or, or did, well, no, or, especially with Limbaugh, did they tap into something that was already there and nobody else had either thought of tapping into it or had successfully tapped into it? This is sort of the, you know I mean? It's the larger debate about the Republican party. Have they gotten worse or did Trump, uh, was Trump willing to go there when yeah, nobody yeah, else was yeah. willing to go there? And the same with Limbaugh. Well, I, th- well I, I think with Limbaugh, he tapped in, look, I mean, you know, AM talk radio, even conservative AM talk radio before Limbaugh, uh, I mean, it, it sounded like you would imagine it did, uh, you know, very staid, very boring, didn't have much of an audience. So he, he made it more interesting. But as you say, he did it because he tapped into something that was already there. Uh, he tapped into, you know, this kind of borderline white supremacy, um, uh, just dripping misogyny. Uh, tapped into a middle-aged white man rage, uh, yep. kind of a couple decades before before Trump did. Um, so I, I I I think it was a combination. He changed the way it sounded, and and he also tapped into something that was already there. And same with true with Trump. Uh, you know, I mean, I go back to 2016. You know, you, me, and everyone else thought he was going to lose for good reason, and then looking back, we realized. He really, he really tapped into something, at least for me, that I didn't quite understand was there to that degree in America, uh, and, and it was a real eye-opener. I think what I'd like to say to add to that is, you know, in, in sort of answer your question there too, John, is from my studies of history, you know, and this goes up and down depending upon the times we're in and how much change is taking place and everything, but the, the problem is, is that it's always there. You know what I mean? I mean, right. you know, Hitler rose up and tapped into people pissed off about World War One, and and you know took on Weimar Germany. Which, I mean, I just give him because he's the most famous one. But you can go to a hundred different right. countries. You can go to Rwanda or Bosnia. The point is, is that these these authoritarians they always tap into what is there and latent. It's right. it, and that's the danger of it is that society has to set the rules and set the the kind of parameters of where we exclude people like that from our discourse, which is why it's so important when Eric is talking about the New York Times and, you know, and mainstream media and how they treated him. Because those, there are always going to be those demagogues, and there are always going to be people that are just pissed off. And if you can take that and you can sort of direct it, which the right has done, right. this is what you get, you know? Be yeah, and and, and, the, and the coverage of the demagogues is so important, and and uh, you know the press has just never really told the truth about uh, Limbaugh. You know when he died, you know um, I'm just looking now, polarizing figure, you know unflinch, unflinching brashness, uh, you know um, that that's kind of how he was described. I mean this was a again this was this was a vile awful person who polluted our, our, our discourse for 20 and 30 years. Um, but the press doesn't really want to talk about that with right-wing media. 
And it doesn't want to talk about that with the Republican Party. It goes hand in hand, right? The, the press doesn't want to talk about what a radical, dangerous entity today's Republican Party has come, become. Right. Even after, you know, 140 Republican House members petitioned the Supreme Court to throw out 20 million votes. I mean, they, they still wouldn't say the Republican Party opposes free and fair elections in this country uh, because, you know, they want to keep it in, in the lane. They want to keep, you know, center left versus center right. You know, Democrats and Republicans are just mere opposites of each other. That's the narrative and right. the framework that they love to well, maintain. And as the Republican yeah. Party pushed by the right wing media has become this authoritarian, at times fascist entity, uh, the press just, you know, would just does not want to have that conversation. And but, so yeah. that's one of the reasons we saw such timid uh, Limbaugh coverage last week, I think. And now a word from our sponsors. If something's interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, folks, consider our sponsor, BetterHelp. That's help, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp seeks to provide professional help with ease. It's not a crisis line. It's a professional counseling done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. Start communicating in under 48 hours, connecting in a safe, private, online environment. Send a message to your counselor and receive a timely response. Schedule weekly video or phone sessions, whatever works for you. Anything you share is confidential. If you want to try a new therapist, it's simple and free to switch. BetterHelp says they are more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is also available. Start living a happier life today. You'll get 10% off your first monthly visit to uh, yeah, to our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Go to betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal, folks, and receive 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sexy liberal. And now back to our show. Let me ask you what... And this gets in, actually, it gets into one of your other articles. You wrote, uh, headline was Washington Post editor finally admits Trump should have been called a liar. And this gets into our larger discussion about the media. The Trump stuff is obvious on its face. Um, you know, it clearly as the Trump years went on, the media got better, right? The, the, the word liar and lies finally became mainstreamed in American media culture uh, because of how blatant Trump was. But I do have sympathy with the media in one regard in that, you know, they're, this is not new with Trump. It's not new with Limbaugh on gay rights stuff once upon yeah. a time. We were dealing with the media where um, on race, for example, it's funny, as, as fucked up as people think race is. We had a situation where at least the media has had accepted that, you know, black people are equal. <laughs> They're not inferior. The lies said about them aren't true. So that generally speaking, news stories wouldn't do a he said, she said. Right, right. Not in the last 20 years or so on, you know, whether blacks really are horrible people and genetically inferior, blah, blah, blah. On gay stuff 20 years ago, we were still doing this bullshit debate on whether we were pedophiles and this kind of right, crap. Right. And, and it, but I mean, it, you know what I'm getting at, but I'm kind of trying to frame this for the listeners in that there is a weird position for reporters where you're not supposed to be a stenographer, simply quoting he said, she said. But you're also not really supposed to take sides if there's a, an actual debate going on. And I think the Republicans have pushed things so far, like on climate. I mentioned this the last podcast, and I don't know if I said it well, but, you know, climate. I'm fine with people disagreeing on climate. I'm fine with people disagreeing on abortion. But but the other guys seem to push it so far that if you simply quote them, 
are you being fair? And, and, and what, how does the, how should the media deal with this larger problem of, of when they're, when they're doing a false equivalence between both sides and when they're maybe going too far and taking sides by agreeing with us, how do they know, how do they know, you know, which one to do? Um, good question. You know, you mentioned the climate change, you know, I think there's actually been some decent, uh, developments over the years and, and lots of news organizations have basically made a stand saying, we're not, we're not having that debate anymore. You know, uh, right. I think, I think it was the BBC that kind of led the way and even put out guidelines and memos saying we no longer quote climate deniers because it's a waste of our time and it's too important. Right. Right. Uh, well, you know, and actually, let me just say, and yeah. the science has become so overwhelming that it's yes. no longer a debatable issue is the, is the issue there. Right. That's very helpful because of the data, the data, the data. And so when conservatives in the right wing go to BBC or American news organizations say, yeah, that's liberal bias, that's liberal bias, you're shutting down this debate. It's, it's so much more helpful when you have hard facts and data uh, and you can say, look, you know, it's the scientists. Right. It, it becomes so much more difficult when there isn't that that kind of backdrop or a backstop. Uh, and that goes to your larger question, you know, of, of the press went. Look, you know, in terms of Trump and the liar, you know, early on, you know, Dean Beckett of the New York Times used this defense a few times, you know, in, in, in 2017 and 2018. Well, you know, we're, we're not mind readers. That's not our job. You know, we'll, we'll fact check him. But, we, we're, you know, we're not in Trump's head. Maybe he's just misinformed when he says, you know, when he when he when he lies about things. And, you know, that's kind of a wishy-washy defense, but it was completely obliterated over the years because, you know, fact-checkers highlighted right. that. He, he told some lies 150, 180 right. times in public. Remember the uh, uh, the VA bill that he claimed exactly. passed, was passed under a veteran's choice. Right. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, if you want to, you know, I, I mean, I would say, John, if you want to say, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt the first time he tells a lie and right. say maybe he was wrong, that's fine. Once he's been made aware it's a lie and keeps telling it, yeah. it needs to be called a hundred times. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, but but actually, but guys, but I, I think and I'm not I'm not trying to defend the media, but I'm trying to sort of take this to a higher level of the discussion. I think it's really hard for the media because they haven't really had to deal with this to right. this extent in recent American history. Never. We didn't, I mean, and I know people can say Republicans lie, not to this degree. And this takes us back to what you said about Limbaugh and how I said it compares with Trump in these guys were sort of so new and so different and, and pushed the right. boundaries where no one, not only in terms of the lies with Trump, for example, but also just the, the, the horrificness of the things he was willing to say to go on stage and say that that COVID wasn't that bad because the deaths were only happening in blue states. Right. And you and we were like, oh, my God. Right. And, and as a media person, you are trained to have to say, look, unless it's the most extreme example, I'm not going to pick sides. But now every day is 10 extreme examples. Right. And I think with CNN, we saw clearly their hosts on CNN and even the reporters finally came around and said, bullshit, this guy's a disaster. We're going to call him one. That was the place I'd say I'll say quickly and I'll let Eric answer to me yeah. most noticeably changed. And I don't CNN, watch, as I've said yeah. before, a ton of that stuff, but here and there I do. And whereas they just were giving him every benefit of the doubt that first year or two and during the campaign, probably about a year before the election, it seemed to me, most of their main anchors started really sort of showing, you know, their, you know, dis their, their disdain for a lot of things yeah. he said, but also calling him out for lying. Yeah. And I think we needed that to happen at other places too and sooner. 
But go ahead, Eric. You. Yeah, um, uh, I've said over the years that you know uh, Trump is the most radical player in, in American history, uh, particularly based on the amount of power he he he, he assumed or assembled. Uh, and the press never had never changed radically changed how he covered the White House. In fact, it didn't change really at all. Um, you know, and I've said this before. There are times, you know, when Trump was president, 2017, 18, 19. You know, I, I'm reading the New York Times and the Washington Post. You would think John McCain were president. You would think Mitt Romney were president. You know, there, there was no, um, there, they, they were so slow on the alarm, ringing the alarms. They were so interested in normalizing him. He's eccentric. He's a bully. He's blustering. Well, he's also a pathological liar and, and, and clearly personality disorders and unstable. Uh, but, but those weren't conversations they wanted to have. So, John, to your point, yes. They were absolutely stunned. Look, we've never had a, you know, you, you, you gave that example. Well, the, you know, the COVID states are in blue, the cases are in blue states, so it's not that bad. That's a classic, like, controversy, what would have been called a gaffe. And, and years ago, if a politician made a gaffe, that would be the story for three or four days. They would regroup. They would put out a statement. They would apologize. They would try to get some allies to speak in their behalf. Trump had no interest in any of that. He never apologized. He and 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 it wasn't three or four days. It was three or four hours before the next thing happened. Um, so the press was completely bulldozed. As we've talked, you know, there's been discussion, uh, just an avalanche of, of news and lies. Uh, Trump was an, uh, an agent of chaos. He. He wanted to create this nonstop hurricane of, of news, and he did it with lies and propaganda. So the point was, this was just unheard of, unseen, unknown, uh, took the Beltway press completely by surprise. Uh, but they never they never really, I mean, yes, as, as you said, CNN kind of came around in 2019 and 2020. But for the most part, there should have been a radical realignment from day one in terms of how they were going to cover Trump because he wasn't a normal president by any stretch right. of the imagination. Uh, but they just weren't willing to do it. And now, you know, for Marty Barron to come out in February of 2021 and say, you know, the editor of the Washington Post, and he say, looking back, well, we should have called him lies. You know, we should have called out his mendacity. You know, his argument was the one I just made. There was so much going on. It was a whirlwind. We didn't really have time to kind of uh, make decisions, but that's, that, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. This, the, you know, that not calling Trump a liar, that wasn't a decision they made at midnight on deadline. They made that decision every day for four years. You know, the Washington, yeah. Washington Post had a fact checking team that documented between 10 and 20,000 lies. And then they were called, then they were told, Oh, by the way, don't call them lies. It's one of the strangest disconnects I've ever seen in American journalism. Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, though, I think part of the problem is and why they so easily were overwhelmed by Trump. And I think you'll end up agreeing with this, Eric, because I've been reading your stuff for years, which is, though, they already had put themselves in a posture of if two people say something, each side has a point, no matter how true and how or, or how false, you know, and that's part of the way. Uh, you know, that we've got we got to the point where someone like Trump could be elected. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to pick one example, uh, you know, one quick one. I mean, Mitch McConnell, 
yep, right. who's been serially dishonest for years about what he's doing, what his intentions are, yep. you know, uh, and made the Senate a place that doesn't function, doesn't do his do his constitutional duty when Merrick Garland's the one who may be a Supreme Court justice, but then goes and, and absurdly like two weeks, you know, uh, before an election is like, all right, we're going to I mean, in so many ways, he's proven himself so dishonest over the years, but he made this calculation. And the calculation is if you raise enough money, you can flood the airways with bullshit and the media will never call you on it. Or if they do, they'll call you on it one day and then they'll let it go the next day. And they'll be back to call you just sort of a regular guy, as opposed to somebody who's radicalized our system. And that's the, go ahead. Not if you're a Republican, they're not going to call you out. And you have that great description of McConnell. And 10 days ago, I'm reading in the New York times because there's, you know, coverage of McConnell and the this, this, this civil war with Trump, supposedly. And and in, in February of 2021, the New York Times is describing McConnell as, you know, as, as an institutionalist, you know, deeply interested in protecting, you know, the Senate. Yeah, perfect example. Like, yep. It's just like, come on. I mean, you just, you know, you hit, you hit your head on your desk because, as you point out, McConnell's ent- entire legacy is making sure the Senate doesn't work and there are no rules. And, 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 and the, the, you know, legislative body doesn't function, but once you get that, you know, once you have that glow, once the New York times and the Washington post and others do the same thing, Oh, McConnell's an institutionalist. Oh, he can't sleep at night because he wants to make sure Trump doesn't damage the Senate. Give me a break. Right. Just, Just give me a break. You've been listening to a free excerpt of the unprecedented podcast to hear the rest of the show and hear all of our past shows and support our work as independent media, please go to patreon.com slash unprecedented podcast and become a subscriber for as little as $5 a month. You can have all of our old episodes, see all of our Zoom interviews, and support the great work that we hope you think we're doing promoting the democratic and liberal agenda. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. See you next episode. And now a word from our sponsors. Vaccinations for COVID-19 are well underway. Unfortunately, at the very time there's light at the end of the tunnel, infection rates and hospitalizations are at all-time highs across the country, though they're dropping lately, I will say. They are starting to drop, but but we're not going to be over with this for a while. Uh, while we're yeah. nearing the finish line for this brutal pandemic, getting there means staying safe. For the foreseeable future, only respirator face masks provide real protection from transmission. Unfortunately, the huge demand and limited supply of respirators means we are flooded with fakes and counterfeits that do almost nothing. Right now, the New Deal shop.com has FDA authorized KN95 respirator masks with anti-fraud labeling on every single package that can be verified right on the manufacturer's website. They're tested in the U.S. by the NPPTL and provide the most significant level of protection. These respirator masks are in stock in the U.S. and ship immediately for free. Go to the newdealshop.com and get verified, authenticated FDA authorized KN95 masks shipped immediately to your home or business. That's the newdealshop.com, the newdealshop.com.